We are in the book of Philippians and we're talking about ministry partnership. Ministry uh, partnership between the author of that book, the Apostle Paul, who writes a letter to the Christians in Philippi and they talk about how they're entered into this partnership. It wasn't just Paul doing ministry, um, but it was uh, both Paul and the Christians together, working together with the common goal to honour God. You know, that's what partnership is all about. It's about owning the ministry. It's about owning it. And when we here in Chatswood, we partner with our team in Burwood. We're not two churches. We're one church. And that's why camp's going to be so fun because we've got most of the Burwood team coming and, you know, like we, you're going to meet some you know, pretty cool people, you know, both sides. I think we've got really cool people in Chatswood. I think we've got really cool people in Burwood. You know, if we, if, if we didn't go to church together, we would never hang out. Like, that's, that's the beauty of our church, right? And, uh, yeah, but, but it, ministry partnership isn't, it's not like, oh, look at that, look what they're doing in Burwood, you know, like, that's cool, you know, send them some prayers, send them some money, but... It's about being involved. It's about owning that and saying, you know, that's, that's actually my, I go to that church. Just, I just go to the one in Chatswood. So um, last week we talked about the four things that every ministry partnership needed, time, relationships, purpose, and prayer. And today Paul's going to continue his letter at the end of chapter one and answer the question, what does it look like to be a partner in God's ministry? What does it look like to be a partner in God's ministry? Now, um, in most team sports, each team is differentiated by their uniform, right? Each team, uh, they'll have different colors to represent. Um, They might have a different team mascot to represent. Um, Here's some examples, and not just sports teams, but Oh, this is the, the team that is coming 15th out of 16 teams in the NRL at the moment. I'd just like to say that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for not coming last this year. Um, this is the Canary Bulldogs. Oh, Alpha team people represent right there, right? So it's not just about sports teams. It's about clubs. It's about societies, right? Like you look at that and some people just see a water bottle. Right, but but what's behind that name? You know the core values of what that represents. What's the next one? I think I had three. That's right. Where at least one of my children may end up <laughs> at the shop to buy the hoodie. That's that's as close as they'll get. Right. You know Harvard University. You know it's not about the jersey. See, what, what, we, what we need to understand is when we see jerseys like that or when we see team colours or when we see the name Harvard University, you know, it's, it's not just what that uniform looks like, but it's what it represents. Um, it represents the club, represents the team, it represents the beliefs and the values of that team. It represents the history, you know, of, of, of the people that went by and started that organisation. Uh, in rugby, there, there's this phrase, um, pride in the jumper. Pride in the jumper. When you put on that jumper, you are proud of what that represents. 
And what Paul says in verse 27, chapter 1 of Philippians says this, he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In this ministry partnership that is about Jesus and the good news that Jesus brings, what does it mean? And this is what Paul is going to talk about. What does it mean to live a life that is worthy, and if I could put a phrase to it, worthy of the jersey of Christ? When we put the jersey of Christ on, And when we enter that team, when we enter that partnership, what does it mean to live a life that is worthy? Worthy of that name, Jesus. What represents us as Christians to the rest of the world? Now, before we go into the five things that Paul talks about, why is this important? Why is this important? Why is it important that you know what you represent? Right? Like if you're going to put on the jumper, you've got to know what it represents, right? Like you can't just walk around with a Harvard jumper not knowing what it means. You can only do that in Korea. I have seen the most ridiculous jerseys and jumpers in Korea I saw one, and I can't even talk about it, but it was a big, it was a big like jumper, and it had a picture of Snoopy, the cartoon, the kids' cartoon, and it said Snoopy swear word. I was like, Are you, do you even know what you're wearing? If you're going to put something on, you got to know what it represents, because. How can you enter into a partnership not knowing what the partnership is about? How can you conduct yourself in that partnership if you don't even know what that partnership represents? And secondly, it's important for us to know because it helps us to be consistent in what we believe and how we live. Do you know the number one obstacle to people becoming a Christian in this world is? It's not communication. It's not accessibility. The number one barrier of why people do not become Christians is hypocrisy. It's actually Christians that stop non-believers becoming Christians. Sadly, the reality is Christianity has the baggage of hypocrisy. Because why? People have put on the jersey of Christ and they have said, this is who I represent. And yet the way they live their life is not consistent, is not in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's why it's important for us to know. Because if you are going to put on the jersey of Christ, if you are going to represent, you better know what you're representing. And you better be consistent, not perfect, but at least consistent. So there are five things in today's passage, Philippians 1, 27, and we go into halfway through chapter 2, that Paul gives to us five marks of what it means to represent Christ, what it means to enter into ministry partnership. Five things, okay? And as we go through these five things, right, firstly, 
If you're not a Christian, great. Listen to these things and think about whether these are things that you want to sign in on. But if you're a Christian, meaning that you, you say that you've got the jersey of Christ on, you're in ministry partnership with Jesus for the sake of his name. As we go through these five, I want you to, in your head, see if you can tick these off. See if you even know what these mean. It's very important. Number one, suffering. The number one thing that Paul mentions when he talks about what does it mean to be a Christian, what does it mean to be in partnership with him, is the word suffering. Chapter 1, verse 29 to 30. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer with him. Since you, have, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Now, what a kick in the guts to start off with, right? You know, why couldn't Paul start with the word glory? You know, strength, power. He starts with the word suffering. It's not popular at all. Hey, become a Christian because you can live a life of suffering. Who wants that? No one wants to live a life of suffering and yet Suffering is one of the fundamental things that Christ represents. Paul says to us that it is a privilege to believe in Christ, to be in partnership with Christ. What a privilege that is. But it is also a privilege to suffer with him as well. When we put on the jersey of Christ, one of the things that we need to accept is that there will be suffering in our lives. Now remember the context of of where Paul is writing this letter. He's writing this letter after being beaten and flogged and he is in jail, chained to a Roman guard and he's writing this letter. Paul Paul is not glamorizing Christianity. He's giving you the bread and butter. And he's saying that Christianity is suffering. Jesus himself, you read about the life of Jesus. You think the Son of God would live a glorious life. And yet, you go through his life. His life was not full of glamour and it wasn't full of glory, but it was actually full of rejection and suffering. And in the same way, When we put that jersey on, that's what it represents. Now, luckily, suffering isn't the only thing. Because I'm pretty sure if suffering was the only thing, it'd be like, thank you, Steve, see you, never. But it is a very important thing. Don't get shocked when suffering comes around because suffering is actually one of the core values of our faith. Secondly, unity. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and and of one mind. The second thing that Paul says is that when we put the jersey of Christ on, we go for unity. 
One of our goals is unity. Like with other brothers and sisters of the faith, other Christians, we are called to be united, like-minded, same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And this goes back to the idea of ministry partnership, right? How can you be in partnership if you are not like-minded? It's like, how can you be married if you're not like-minded? If you're not heading down the same direction? How can you start a business with someone that you don't have the same goals? Right? Someone's, you know, you start a business with your partner and your goal is to make money and your partner's goal is to make friends. I promise you that that business will collapse. It won't make money and you won't make friends. You need to have the same mind. As Christians, as people that take partnership with Christ seriously, then we need to take partnership with other Christians seriously too. That doesn't mean you need to like them all. That's a whole different sermon, right? But it means that we need to take unity very seriously. Thirdly, humility. 2 verse 3 to 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Paul now continues, because how do you have unity then? And he says, to have unity, you need humility. Paul tells us that with this ministry partnership, when you put the jersey on, See, when you put the jersey on, one of the things that, that, that Christianity represents is this idea of looking out for someone else's well-being first. Humility is looking out for someone else first before yourself. It's the opposite, it's the opposite of selfishness, right? Being self-centered is me first, everyone else second. Humility is the other way. You lower yourself. You lower yourself. We look out for each other. And, and you know, this is actually very um, much uh, a, a thing in all, a lot of team sports, right? Except basketball in the NBA because you can have one superstar. They can carry the whole team and then the Lakers will win, right? But in most team sports, right, you have to have humility. You can't go, well, I'm better than everyone else, so everyone should give me the ball and then we're going to win. It's a team sport. It's partnership. It's about, hey, how can I look after you? Let's look after you. You look after me. We're together. Now, I don't know if I can say this, but the Sydney Swans, I don't know if anyone knows this story. The Sydney Swans is our local um, AFL team. Now, I know most of us don't really care about AFL, including myself, but I did hear this story, so I'll just use it anyway. The Sydney Swans have a slogan, internal slogan. Right, it, you know they've got their you know big motto and whatnot, but there is an internal slogan that is drilled into each and every player that comes into the inner sanctum as a player. And do you know what that slogan is? I really don't know if I can say this, but I'll say it anyway. I apologise if this is offensive. It's no dickheads. That's the slogan. I kid you not. This sports team, when you come in, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how, how superstar you think you are. You need to be humble. And that's how the team works. Can I just say, in our faith, 
Not that Jesus would ever use that slogan. <laughs> Maybe he would. We'll check some of the translations. Maybe he said it somewhere. I don't know. You can't. You have to have humility. Do you know what is amazing? I have met so many amazing Christians. Amazing. I'm talking to CEOs. I sit on a board. I sit next to this hotshot CEO of some massive insurance company. I sit next to this hotshot partner in a law firm who they earn, you know, squillions more than me, right? I sit there and we're, we're having like minties together. And they don't, they, they don't look at me and go, well, you know, you're just a whatever. But they're humble enough to listen to me, to support and pray. And we, we do ministry together. That's what partnership's all about. But you have to have humility. Have to have humility. I'll give you a beautiful example of, of this. I had a conversation with someone this week about camp. And they were so excited about camp. Because camp is seriously, it is so fun. Right? It is so, so, so fun. Right? But they come and tell me, I've registered Steve. Right? That's how they're excited. They just wanted to tell me. And by the way, for those that did register last week, I just need to let you know, when you register, on the registration, when we get it, it tells us what time you registered. So for those that registered at 5.30 last Sunday night while I'm preaching, you know who you are on the camera. I know whether you're listening to my sermon or not, all right, punks? Anyway, they come up to me and they said, I've registered for camp. And I said, that's awesome. And then they said, but I know numbers are tight. If numbers go over, I'm more than happy to give up my spot at camp for someone else. That is humility. That's humility. That's what Christ is all about. It's about looking out for each other. It's about putting yourself down, your own desires and your own needs down. You know what? I know if this person didn't go to camp, they would cry the whole weekend at home thinking about what everyone else is doing at camp. I know. And yet they would still sacrifice their spot for someone else. That's humility. That's what Christ is all about. That's what it means to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Number four, obedience. Verses 12 to 14. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Paul calls out to the Christians in, in, in Philippi and says, Hey, as you have always obeyed, I love it. Because he says, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. How good are we being obedient when that person's there? It's like when you're at work, right, and your manager's there. You work. Not necessarily hard, but at least you work. Right? But if your manager's not there, right, if the cat's out, the mice come out to play, right? That's what they say. Right? But what Paul is saying is you need to be obedient in all seasons. Whether I'm there or not. Whether you think God is watching or not. Because the cool thing is God is always watching. Obedience is a part of who we are. 
And the term um, Paul uses, continue to work out your salvation. He says, not only my presence, but no, 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 continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I just want to quickly address that because some people misread that and they think continue to work out your salvation, meaning that I need to work and be saved, work to be saved. But what Paul is not saying, Paul is not saying that. Paul is saying continue to work out your salvation in the way like let's see it finish. Continue to see it work out. Let's see how things work out. That's how he's using those words because we can't work for our salvation. Only God can save us, and that's the grace that's poured upon us. And the beauty is that it's not work. It's not the work that we do. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is doing the work. We just need to learn to obey. I'm telling you, friends, one of the ways that we live when we put the jersey of the gospel on is obedience. And finally, the fifth one is without grumbling. 14 to 18, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Finally, when you put the jersey on, you do it without grumbling. You do it without complaining. Why? So that we become blameless and pure. See, this is the big area where hypocrisy lies. Christians who are so quick to complain about everything. How does that work? When God has blessed you and when God is your provider and your protector, when God is your source of life and you are complaining about your life, that is complete hypocrisy. That's why the world looks at you and says, well, you, you, you should be the happy, Christians should be the happiest people in the world, even in times of suffering. Why? Because of God. And yet when we see people that are complaining, because what does complaining mean? What does grumbling mean? It means you're not satisfied. It's a direct, direct opposite. Because to, to be with God is to be satisfied. To be with God, to, be a, a, to, to, to have the jersey of Christ on is to say, I am satisfied because of God. And then for you to turn around and go, oh man, my life sucks. I need to pay. I need to get paid more. My health is, you know, it's failing. You know, no one wants to be my friend. Doesn't make sense. That's hypocrisy. That's why Paul says, do things without grumbling or arguing, so that you can be consistent. Because that's what it means to live a life that is worthy of the manner of the gospel. When we trust God. When we trust God, we don't need to complain. But when we complain, it's because we fail to trust God. The jersey of Christ is marked by suffering, unity, humility, obedience, and without grumbling. But the cool thing about this passage is Paul doesn't just give us the theory of these five things, but in verses 5 to 11, he gives us an example. And the example 
is of Jesus Christ himself. And I'm going to read these verses. And as I read these verses, firstly, I want you to take a moment to remember who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He's, he, he, he's the name that we're trying to represent. He's the guy. He's the model. He's, he's who we're following. He's the guy that we're in ministry partnership with and for. He's the very purpose of our faith. And yet Paul's going to use him as an example to show us these five things. Let me read verse 5 to 11. In your relationships with others, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above that is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is Jesus. You see the suffering. You see the unity. You see the humility. You see the obedience. And even when he was being crucified on the cross, he didn't grumble or argue. Jesus calls us to partner with him and shows us and gives us the perfect example of how we are to conduct ourselves. And if Jesus can humble himself from being God to becoming man, suffering and dying for your sin and mine, surely we can do the same for each other. Let me conclude. Whose team are you on? We all we all sitting on someone's team. Who are you partnered with? The biblical reality is this any team outside of the team of Jesus will lead to destruction and emptiness. Any team outside the team of Jesus will lead to destruction and emptiness. Now, you may have a good life. You may have a lot of fun. You might have freedom in this life. And then what? And when you die, and then what? Any team outside of the team of Jesus will lead to destruction and emptiness. But when we partner with Jesus, not only do we share in his suffering, but we also share in his glory eternally with God the Father in heaven. So if you're not a believer, this is the first question. If you're not a believer, you've got to ask yourself and the question, whose team are you on and what Jersey, what, what, what does that jersey represent? I'm a Bulldogs fan 
die hard. But that jersey will not save me from my sins. If anything, it will lead me to more sin. <laughs> Especially the way they're playing right now. <laughs> that jersey will not save my soul. Any club and society in this world, secret or not, will not save your soul. So you've got to ask yourself that question. Who am I aligned with? Who am I playing for? Who am I representing? But secondly, if you are a Christian and you're on Team Jesus and you're telling me that you're partnered with him and you're telling me that you're putting on that jersey, let me ask you a question. Does your life wholly represent that jersey? Does it represent the core values of what Jesus was all about? Let me ask, in your life, do you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? Or are you the example of hypocrisy? Are you the prime example of hypocrisy that the world talks about? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not up here on a high horse ripping everyone and going, I'm okay. Right? This is something that all of us need to struggle with. All of us will struggle with in our lives. But the question is, for some of us, we don't even think about this. We, we think that, yeah, I'm a Christian, but the way that I live my life, it doesn't really matter. And I'm telling you now, it matters. It matters a, a lot. The, the, the name Christian literally means little Christ. Little Christ. That's what it means. So when you go up to someone and go, hi, I'm a Christian, what you're saying to them is, I am a little version of Jesus. I represent what Jesus represents. I follow Jesus in the life that he lived and, I, and, and the purpose that he had, I am with the same purpose. But the, the sad reality is without having to yell, I was about to yell, stop myself, self-control, humility. The sad reality is there is too much hypocrisy. People say, I'm a Christian, and yet their, their life does not represent, is, is not a life worthy of living in the manner that follows the gospel. And I'm not saying, please go and be perfect. Please, far from that. And I'm in this boat as much as everyone else. I, if anything, I'm probably deeper in this. But it's at least knowing what you represent. And it's to be humble to say, yeah, I don't, I don't have it all together, but I know that these things are important and I'm trying. Friends, please choose the jersey of Christ. Every other jersey in this world is empty. Every other jersey, the jersey of drugs, the jersey of passion, the jersey of money, 
every other jersey that you could put on to represent your life, to give you something to live for, that will end in emptiness and destruction. The only one that leads to life is through Jesus. So I ask, make the choice to put on the jersey of Christ, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and to live a life that's worthy of that call. But secondly, if you're going to put the jersey on, know what it represents. Know it and live it. And the beauty is, no one's perfect. That's why God gives us the church. We all get together. Man, I failed in this. Man, I suck at this. Yeah, that's okay. Let's try again. Let's try again. Don't get discouraged. Let's try again. And that's what the church is about. That's what partnership is about. It's about owning. It's about owning this faith. I pray that you would choose the team of Christ. And I pray that if you have chosen that or if you're going to say that, you've chosen it, that you would live a life, that you would live a life that is worthy of that name. Let's pray.